I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And welcome to the Friday Special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. Now, for 2020, the Friday Special series will be running every week. And each week, I'll have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification, effects pedals. We're going to have brands, producers, musicians, etc. I'm your host, Joe Branton. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Knight. Hello there. And this week, the incredible Nick Reinhardt. Good day. Good day, Nick. Thank <laughs> you very much and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been oh. a while since I've I've seen my my guitar nerd friends or spoken. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. We did we did a podcast with you, I don't know, you know, a couple of years ago when we were in Germany together and obviously Matt, you've done lots of stuff with with Nick since then for Boss. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I sent Nick a couple of pictures the other day when I was going through my hard drives. I had to dig out some pictures from the um, House of Vans gig, uh, which you both played at, actually. Oh, yeah, we did both play, um, yeah. That's the good thing when you book the gigs, because then you can just book <laughs> your mate's bands. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm wearing a pair of shoes I got from that gig. But, I mean, that was that I was can't believe those shoes have still lasted. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Were, that, were those the all-black Vans? You know what's so funny? Uh, we're talking, this is like shoe nerds talk as opposed to guitar <laughs> nerds talk they gave me a pair of all black vans at that thing and i was like i felt so awkward but i went i went and found like a manager of the house of vans and i was like i'm so sorry but could i get a different pair i don't really do the all black vans <laughs> i was thinking when you said it i was like i am surprised to think of nick Reinhardt in a pair of black shoes that doesn't seem nearly primary colored enough that's right so he gave me a pair of blue ones and the kicker was i gave him the black ones back and he's like oh just hang on to them so i do have oh. the black ones and i just started wearing the black ones for the first time this week wow. but i i'm wearing the blue ones right now wow well i still you know it's it's uh, that's an assault to my reality to think of you in anything other than the primary color but okay <laughs> so uh, thanks for having me on a shoe nerds podcast I guess that <laughs> wraps it up <laughs> I, yes, think, exactly. I think some pairs of shoes now sell for more than some guitars. So actually, maybe we are in just totally the wrong business here. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I feel yeah. like if we were in some sort of, I mean, this is going back like six months. I, I was uh, in Camden and going past one of those, um, like to be worn again, like vintage clothes places. They had like a beat up pair of like, 
original like Air Jordans from like the eighties, and they were like fifteen hundred pounds. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. It's like a shoe. Wow, crazy! That is uh, an impressive price. But anyway, talking about uh, yeah, let's let's talk about some guitar stuff because we do have Nick Reinhardt on the podcast. The uh, well, um, we could. The, what, what I was going to say? say we could start with what shoes are best for stomping on on pedals. I guess I, you're... <laughs> I have always wondered this. Actually, I, I've noticed. I, I've noticed this is incredibly. This oh, this is freakishly geeky. But I've noticed that Nick often wears New Balances, which I think have a a, a relatively pointed toe. And I've wondered if that is a is a shoe that especially lends itself to to effects pedal tap dancing. Yeah, I've actually been asked this, believe it or not, a lot because I've been wearing those shoes. I started finding those shoes. This is so uh, we we really are doing shoes. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I found like a pair of those shoes in in the mid two thousands. Somehow, like because we would go to like a lot of thrift stores on tour or whatever, you know, like looking for gear or something. And every once in a while, you would magically find I don't know a pedal or something. I guess that's more pawn shops, but like, so we were hitting pawn shops and thrift stores a lot. And randomly you could find, there was like almost at every other thrift store, there was a pair of these New Balance shoes that I liked a lot. And they they fit me proper and I just kind of liked the way they looked or whatever. So I just started getting all these like shoes for like, you know, $4, these pairs of New Balance tennis shoes. But they are not good for stomping pedals, and this is why. <laughs> On the bottom of the shoes, uh, there's there's like um the the sole has uh if you were to look at the a bottom of a pair of shoes, it's not flat. It's like um there's like tracks on it. Do you know what I mean? There's kind of like these mm-hmm. um not bumps, but it's it's shaped in a way, I don't know. Basically, what happens is you need to wear all those like grooves down to be flat in order for like to to um, engage pedals properly. Because like let's say not a boss pedal, but let's say any pedal with like a classic whatever button. You know, I don't know what you would call that, but you know, like an Earthquaker Devices pedal. You know, yeah, the, the, that just style, like a normal stump switch. That yeah. style, I call that the EHX button. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That button, if you're wearing this particular pair of shoes that i wear and you go down and it's uh they're not um worn in enough like the bottoms haven't like you know uh just worn worn those bumps and those creases and ridges down it's a little awkward because you won't you know it's not enough to like miss the button but you can kind of like almost think you triggered it and you didn't you know what i mean so so basically Playing a show in a brand new pair of New Balances can be a little bit difficult for pedal stopping. Is what I'm getting at. That, that I, I think that was an incredible bit of uh, information out there. Yeah, this the, is uh, you've heard that here first, pedal stompers. But actually, that kind of actually brings us on to something that I, I think you know. I was planning to ease the audience in, but let's let's go the whole way in. Um, you you obviously you don't use switches which is unusual for someone who uses pedal boards of your of of the size that you use pedal boards but i guess that's because you do such a lot of quick flicking through sounds yeah yeah and i like it to be kind of an improvised thing and okay so this is the way i've always thought about it one reason you would use like a switcher or some sort of effects loop system would be like 
oh, I need this distortion and this delay to turn on at the exact same time, right? Fair? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I've always thought about it like, all right, dang it. On this beat, on this downbeat, all right, I, I want to turn on this um, Line 6 FM4 and a chorus pedal at the exact same time, which is, like, very tricky to do if they're not right next to each other, right? Okay, wow, that would be so much easier if I was using some sort of, like, um, switching system. But then I'm like, but wait, I, I'm going to be able to turn that, if I hit this fm4 and then i hit a chorus right after that i mean what are we talking like a half a second later who's like is anyone gonna notice if the delay pedal does not come on at the exact same time of the distortion pedal or whatever you know and in other words i kind of like weighed out my options like do i really want to like go through this whole process of learning how to assemble a pedal board and like going like because that would fully flip things for me to have I a switcher you know? I guess you you figured that the the sacrifice w was was more than the than the advantage because for me I'm like yeah I love the fact if I can use a switcher and I can just hit you know I only have to worry about one thing that means I'm way less likely to mess up what I'm doing with my hands and so that's that's the logic there but for you I think it's 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 like you view it as being a, a sacrifice of, yes. of the creative, being able to do whatever you want. Because, of course, I, you know, by having a switcher, I'm like, here's my clean, here's my drive, here's my modulation tone, here's the ring mod, here's the delay, and that's it. I have those five sounds, that is it. Whereas you can buddy up anything you want. You could have every pedal on, you could have any two combinations any three combinations the, exactly the, the amount of combinations you must have because what you're using at the moment three pedal boards you change your pedal board for every tour right i mean yeah that's the thing it's not quite what i'm using at the moment because it just it's not even every tour every show that i play i mean because even in the last couple of years i've gotten into this thing where it's like i i just play with a lot of people locally you know at a jazz bar on a monday night or a you know a weird art space doing a solo gig on a thursday night or something and every single uh show format that i play in i just build a new pedal board for that um and so, yeah, so it gets switched up a bit and or quite a bit, I guess. Um, and it was funny because you used the word you said, if you have the switcher, you know, you don't have to worry about doing this. And that kind of stuck out to me because I'm like, oh, yeah, thinking about it, I don't really worry about stuff. It's more like I look forward to the section where I get to, like, start messing with all these sounds and doing the tap dancing thing and turning this on, turn that on. And and also having all those options, you know, because it's like a lot of the time it's like a truly improvised um process of what i'm turning on or like oh you know tonight i think i'm going to try this you know what i mean like during this yeah. section of this song and so just just having it all um wide open as far as being able to engage this you know or whatever without a switching system like you said i guess sacrifice feels a little dramatic but yes it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't fully feel worth it for me to like totally um you know, flip my entire pedal building world inside out just for a little bit of convenience, which again, when I weigh the amount of convenience I gain from that, it, it's really not that much. And it's probably just because I've been doing it this way for so long. I think, um, 
I guess there's a tendency sometimes when you know, and I and I definitely you know have, have felt that before. Sometimes it's just really easy to like get a pedal and you find a sound you like, and then you're just like, that's it. I will just never ever like touch those controllers. Just it does that delay sound, and a lot of people do that. But I guess for you, a lot of the pedals that you bring on your boards, you just you kind of know inside out because. When I saw you um, a couple times, maybe the year before last, I think, when you did a UK um, tour for both shows, even though like similar sections had similar types of sounds, it was still all improvised. And I guess you're looking at the pedal board almost like another instrument because you also used like a, a Keith McMillan like MIDI controller, right, to like yeah. trigger stuff on a Th- drum Now machine. that's an interesting part of your board. Because that's stayed there for a while now. Yeah. Well, um, the Keith McMillan, uh, what is it? It's I think it's a 12-step because I get the soft step and the 12-step mixed up. I'm looking around my studio right now to see if I can find it. I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that controls a Roland SP404 sampler. That way I can be hands-free at queuing certain samples or sound effects that I want throughout the set. Um, And just as a little factoid about that thing, um, up until that particular Keith McMillan um, piece of gear, I think the only way that you could do do what I'm describing of triggering a, a boss sampler was through the big Behringer midi footboard oh, yeah Do you yeah, know which yeah, one yeah, i'm one. talking about the, the FC... one with two it's got two uh f- two uh expression pedals and then yes. eight, uh, eight pedals yeah, yeah. yes yeah, and it's really big and heavy and i used to tour with that thing i used to tour internationally <laughs> with that thing and i didn't have a case for it so i just had this like cardboard box that i like kind of shaped into a case for it and then i would tape the cardboard box to like a pedal a pedal case and it was this big nightmare to do that and the other thing with the roll uh the behringer was you had to in order to get the midi to communicate with the i think at the time i was maybe using an sp303 but maybe it was a 404 but to get it to communicate with the sampler you had to like fully hack the the behringer you had to um uh, modify it. I think you had to add some sort of chip to it, and then yes. you had to download this insanely archaic software that looked like, like when you opened it up, it looked like some like like it was from 1992 or something like that. Yes, you had I'm to use the this. software and then totally like link it all up. It it was a process. In fact, I took it over to a friend's house that was like a computer nerd because I'm like I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I brought it to his house. And then I remember uh, playing Russia once, like our very first show in Russia or whatever. And like everyone's, you know, we get there and we're nervous and we're like, oh my God, this is insane. I can't believe we're in Russia. We're doing the thing where like we land, go straight to the venue and plug everything in. And I plugged that Russian, or I keep, not the Russian, the Behringer into some sort of Russian power converter thing and it blew it up immediately. So I was like, great, there goes my Behringer. Rest of the tour, I couldn't use it. And then it's like, I get home, have to buy another Behringer, <laughs> massive footboard, <laughs> bring it to the friend's house again, schedule time to go to the friend's house, have him hack it and update it again, blah, blah, blah. Use it for a little while longer. And then I think someone from Keith McMillan 
contacted me and was like, hey, I think we have something that you could use to replace that. And I was like, oh, my God, please tell me you have something to replace this. Wow, <laughs> so I so goodness. so it, and it worked. Uh, there was a little bit of like nerdy um, computer stuff that I had to do, but I was able to figure it out. But it, someone DM me about this recently, like, hey, I've got that Keith McMillan thing. How do you do it? And I'm like, man, I don't remember. But it it was definitely like I gave myself a full day of just sitting down at in my studio being like, all right, I'm going to figure out how to do this. Like it, it's it's not as simple as just plugging in a MIDI controller into a sampler and boom, it works. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's like certain things you have to do. So um, but yeah, the the moral of that story is it works i it's badass and i love having that option now and the 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 12 step keith mcmillan thing is so tiny it could fit in anything it's pliable you could throw it off of you know a bridge and it'll still work and blah blah, blah. you you mount it on the on the front of a of you know a sort of two or three tier board as well uh, which I, which is fantastic because it it can work in that capacity yeah yeah that's what i was doing i was i'm trying to recall what the last again you know because it switches my my pedal board is different every tour right yeah of course admittedly i'm probably going from when we played together which is two years ago correct and so so i probably would have yeah somehow incorporated it into the actual like you know had it velcroed to the board or something and had it all wired properly but yeah um i guess yeah, the kind of the moral of all that is I, I love building things. I I really enjoy Matt. You mentioned uh, something about when we were talking about the like the the physical nature of the the pedal board and all that. And it's like I I really um, I enjoy playing the pedal board as much as I enjoy playing yeah. the guitar. So like to have a short those types of shortcuts of like oh a switcher. So again, Joe, so I don't have to quote unquote worry about this. I'm like, well, yeah. I really for the at, at least the world that I'm in of playing guitar, the pedal board is like an extension of the guitar and my my brain. You know what I mean? So like I'm not trying to like I, I, again, I look forward to those moments of like, Ooh, here we go. Here comes a fun part where it's, I'm not only playing guitar, but I'm playing the pedal board, you know? And that's such a, that's such a wonderful way to view it. Um, yeah, because, because you're totally, you're totally right. And I, I can completely see, um, the, the limitations of a, of a switcher. So, uh, of course, you know what, you know what, maybe the, the analog to that would be like, you know, some people really enjoy driving stick, a stick shift on their car. And I'm like, why the heck would you want to drive stick shift when you can have an automatic? You know what I mean? I'm like, my car drives automatic and I don't have to think about it. But there's some freaks out there that are like, ooh, I love shifting gears. Well, you know, we we, we pretty much don't have automatics. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So imagine I'm like, wait, you guys don't have automatics? Don't you want to just like not have to worry about shifting when you're driving? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know why we don't. Um, I, I'm sure there's some incredibly macho reason. To, yeah, to I'm sure. Why we, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say then we should probably, um, just in case anyone's sort of listening and going, "Wow, what, what I want, I want to know what bands Nick plays in if they don't actually already know." So I guess we should pro- probably talk about Terramelos for for a little bit and kind of because I want to talk about. With the, we, you know, we were just talking about the pedals and and playing pedal boards. I remember seeing a video from you recording the solo for I want to say Warpless Run yes. in the studio, yes. which was like all improvised, right? So I'm guessing you do you kind of 
go into solos or bits of tracks knowing what you want to do or um i know exactly what video you are talking about uh from the terramelis record uh trash generator song warpless run there's like a completely wild out of control guitar solo and i i mean i think the concept was let me build a pedal board right now you know like let me let me string together i don't know 10 pedals or something and let me do a few passes at the solo of just like like losing my mind to it there was no rhyme or reason to it the only thing i was trying to avoid um i like it at that tempo it's a very fast like punk punk tempo uh I my instinct was to uh have play the solo not that I could play the solo but at least imitate the solo from um Pantera Suicide Note Part 2 which is this crazy like whammy pitch shifted gnarly solo and I I like I just wanted to keep going into like that solo it had that energy so I'm like all right no Suicide <laughs> Note Part 2 solo but something in that like uh level of wackiness and I, I i think mine's probably a little bit stranger and more uh oddball than that one but yeah so there was th that was just completely improvised and i think i did a few different passes at it and then maybe we like hey that first take uh all of this was cool what about this like funny little messed up flanger sound you did in the third take all right we'll just kind of drop that in there and there you go that's it <laughs> so um with that then, I guess let's, I, I, you know, I kind of want to know a little bit about, and I'm sure some other people do. I mean, just like, I know there's other videos of you talking about, you kind of, uh, I think you did one with Reverb before talking about your sort of first pedals and that, but what was sort of like the scene like where you were when Terminalize first started? And did you have an idea of, you know, what sort of music you were going to do? I mean, obviously listening to like the early records, you know, the some of the tracks are just, so out there especially considering what else was going on around that sort of time yeah well so terra mellows is uh my band that we started i think in 2004 uh i had been playing punk music before that and then that like we were in the bass player uh nathan and i were in this punk band and we just kind of stopped being a band and he and i were like all right well let's let's start a new band we're 23 or whatever like we got time let's start a new thing okay cool so we started this band and it was like a little he and i had started writing music together that was a little different than just straightforward punk stuff but it still had like the punk spirit to it um and we were we were like really into like you know bands like fugazi which had kind of like taken us away from being just straightforward punk bands and then this band appears out of nowhere in northern california called hella which you know is zach hill and spencer sign these two yeah. just insane m musicians and like you know at the time we weren't aware of like what quote-unquote math rock was we like i said we were punk dudes and all of a sudden here's this band that pops up that we start seeing and we're like whoa what is this and then right around that same time we had heard i, I guess this was this is in like this is 2001 so in 2001 we're you know doing the punk thing hella pops up oh and then we're super into fugazi and then we hear this band dillinger escape plan and kind of like start all these like different influences start kind of like seeping into like the guitar riffs I was playing and stuff. So, so then punk bands, blah, 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 break up. We start this new thing and we're like, well, why don't we kind of try our version of what all this stuff is. That's like really exciting to us. And so that's, uh, 
Terramellos, which by the way, as a little side note, I was giving a guitar lesson the other day via Skype and someone was asking me about a tapping riff off the first record and kind of like referencing like, oh, so what was the first record alive? Uh, that that's an EP. There's there's like a <laughs> so funny, a quote unquote EP. It was like a, a really bad live recording from uh, a local show we had played that we just made cds and like uh, like <laughs> yeah. kinkos and sold i mean we yeah, maybe I, sold like 50 of those that exist really because you know? i have one of those cds oh that's, that's pretty crazy incredibly geeky that's I amazing bought it off of ebay like years ago that's but, amazing yeah. like i don't even know if i have one of those that's crazy that's, <laughs> i mean there was oh, probably that's really embarrassing <laughs> there's literally probably less than 100 of those that exist i think i can't right. imagine we made okay. more than 100 um but then the our first record was this record it, it didn't have a name so it just kind of is known as untitled but it's not called untitled. It is just not titled. Um, and so someone, I was teaching someone, someone asked me about a tapping riff off that first record. And maybe the other day they were like, Oh yeah. Like were, were you into this band or this band? And you know, like a lot of, a lot of people around that era were like, Whoa, this band must be like really into Don Caballero and not true. Like I, even to this day, I love battles, but I've, I've never listened to a Don Caballero record not for, really? not, for, not for any particular reason, just because I haven't gotten around to listening to it. I know I've heard a song because I've heard a song, you know, at at uh, at a venue before a show. And I'm like, whoa, what's this? Then I shazammed it or something. It turned out it was Don Caballero. But uh, in those early days, I was not listening to Don Caballero. Like I said, it was Hella or Dillinger's Skate Plan or Fugazi or this one particular guitar riff that I was teaching this guy I was like, nope, wasn't listening to that. I specifically remember this was my version of a Primus uh, riff. <laughs> I was super into like Primus would have been the, one of the very first bands I heard doing the tapping, like wild tapping thing, you know, DMV or Jerry was a race car driver or something. And so I love that sound. And so I kind of figured out how to do that on guitar. Um, and that's kind of like where some of that early stuff came from. But yeah, I, in terms of like sonically with effects and pedals and stuff, the very beginning of the band was like the, not a lot of pedals. It was just kind of like what we had left over from our previous bands, you know? But yeah. the one kind of gateway for me that was like, whoa, a pedal can do this was the um, Digitech Synthwa. Oh, of oh. course. What a fantastic pedal to be your gateway into, yeah. you know, becoming, you know, as you are now known, the Willy Wonka of guitar pedals. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, and someone gave me that. My friend uh, Patrick Hills, the guy who's made a bunch of records for my bands and played with us and stuff, uh, he gave me his Digitech Synthwalk. He's like, again, think about think about the context punk rock dudes just playing fast like skate hardcore punk stuff this dude like one of our friends ends up with this digitech synth one he's like what am i supposed to do with this <laughs> you know and it's like well you know nick's starting this new band that's like a little different i don't know maybe he'd want it so he gave me that pedal and you know it does like those weird growly kind of like um whatever format sounds you know like the different vowel things and you know i i that was my first one it, i'm like whoa cool it's this an does... absolutely fantastic pedal you can pick it up for virtually no money as well totally. i mean i don't know what it goes for in the states like you can pick it up for about 30 quid i was gonna you? say you say you bucks. say that now you definitely can't anymore as, really they're, they're, yeah because I, th I think they're discontinued or maybe the base one is but one of them is incredibly hard to get hold of and they're they're creeping up to like I guess what would be the equivalent of like a hundred dollars. Oh my goodness! Um, so my my saxophone player goes through one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, it's a it's a really neat 
pedal and I, I was gonna say 40 or 50 bucks but yeah maybe they're a little more now in fact my my i've i only ever had one um and it broke maybe i don't know six years ago or something so i actually haven't replaced it but um yeah that was that was my very first pedal that made me go huh okay that's kind of cool and that does neat things so let's see what else i can get my hands on so fast forward to to now from then if the funnily enough if the first the first pedal that got you into pedals was a synth pedal um you've you've become um quite synonymous with using uh, the Meris Enzo, which is their synth pedal. Yes, yes, yes. And that is that is that is a far cry from the Digitech. Yeah, yeah. They, I remember Maris contacted um, Juan and myself about doing their kind of campaign for that pedal when they released it. Like, hey, those because you the- ran that on on pedalsandeffects.com. That was the the big launch for Maris, really. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, and I, I still, I mean, whatever, a year or two later, still have people like writing me like, hey, what, how do I do this with that pedal, or what do you recommend? Would you take this or this or whatever? and like yeah i love talking about it i mean it's a great pedal you know it's it's so interesting the different like formats that all these builders use for this stuff you know what i mean and like i just think it's really fun to have the different varieties the different like nuances of sounds within each one and and so that's why where like the collector mentality comes in like ooh, this is cool like i want to have lots of synth pedals for lots of different options and and just that you know, kind of sound in general, I'm just, has been, I guess, since that um, Digitech Synthwatch, just making your, turning your guitar into a new instrument. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. sounds like literally some sort of synthesizer or like a Casio that you would get at a thrift store for $15 or something. Like, there's just all these, <laughs> all these pedals now that without any sort of like crazy cables or whatever, just a regular quarter inch, I still don't understand how you're able to like process a guitar signal that way, but somehow you can do it, you know? Some things are probably best left unturned. I think probably if you knew it would ruin the magic. And then, um, but because I know you've, um, you've got, have you got a, did you, I think you've got a couple, right? XP 300 space stations. Yeah, I actually, I've got, I'm looking at two of them. I just sold, I I had three and I sold one recently. I'm like, I don't need. They're going for so much money now. Yeah. um, Yeah, that, that's, that's a tricky thing pedal right because the the gold one the real the proper space station that's a really expensive pedal and i i have one i finally got one last year because i got i think on average you can probably get one of those for like four hundred dollars us like that's about maybe like uh, that would be considered a pretty average deal i think i found a dude selling it man i'd have to go back and look at the email i feel like i got mine for like 150 bucks which I was just like, cool. I already have one of these, not the proper real one. I had a modified um, modulation XP series, whatever number that was. Um, But I was like, I just, whatever. It's cool to have the real one and it's so inexpensive. I'm just going to get this. So, and so at the time I had two modded ones and a real one to which, like I said, I sold one of the modded ones. Well, the, um, the real kicker for me, um, when I, first moved away from home and went i went to go and live in brighton to go to music college one of the teachers there was ace from skunk and annecy who i was a massive fan of because he wrote an effects column in guitarist magazine which was 
part of the reason I got really into effects more so than really just playing guitar. Um, and he lent me a bunch of stuff. One of which was, he was like, oh, I'm just getting rid of all this stuff that I haven't used for years, was an XP300, which I wasn't even on anyone's radar, really, at that point. And I think he wanted, like, £70 for it or something like that. And I was a student. I had no money. So I was like, oh, just, oh, no, I can't afford it. And then I ended up buying one of those modded ones. I think it's like the Jetpack mod. You can go between all four. Yeah, yeah. and I just wasn't using it. I mean, I think I sold it like five years ago, and now I'm just like, man, you just—they come up like once, once every six months. Or what like year that, around it. was it when he offered it to you for? for oh, it must have been a 2006, maybe 2007. Okay, so then I have a funny uh, addition to that story. So the same guy, Patrick, that gave me the Digitech Synthwah had. Um, had been given the space station. What what is the number? What what is the number of the gold X, one? XP three hundred. The three hundred. He had yeah, been yeah. given a three hundred by another one of our friends that was in kind of that punk world, right? And Patrick disassembled it and used it for pieces for other pedals. <laughs> swear to God. No, and because no, again, no. this was the same guy that gave me the Digitech. Uh, synth synth walk because it was like eh, what are you supposed to do with this thing you know just like we don't like this is these sounds don't interest me and of course now like it's we've joked about it for years now like dude you straight up like took apart and like just trashed your xb 300 for the pieces which is just insane (laughs) i guess um one of the things i've i've picked up on which I, i i would say is to me always sounds like a signature of one of your sounds is the kind of um Aphex twin square pusher like square wave synth sound out of the FM4. So at what point did like the FM4 and the DL4, because obviously uh you are lucky enough to be recognized, I guess, as one of the major DL4 users because you've got one of the anniversary ones, I think they I made do. for like the 23rd. I do. Um yeah. so when did those pedals sort of like hit the radar and how game changing were they for you at, at that point? So uh, in 2004, Terramellis made our first record and the other guitar player, Jeff Worms, he had a DL4 at the time. The, you know, the big green expensive one that I was like, whoa, no, I'm good on that. Um, so <laughs> they were I, expensive. What's that? I said they were really expensive. Me and Joe were talking about it on another podcast a few weeks ago when yeah. I bought an FM4 and yeah, they were Well, crazy think about expensive. like... $250 for a pedal, that's still expensive, by the way. I, there's like, that's, it's rare that I spend that much money on a pedal unless I'm like, I gotta have this, you know, but I'm just like, I don't like, I respect anyone that's willing to spend that much money on a pedal. And I, I know that's like, that's not a lot of money these days. You know what I mean? If you want like a cool boutique pedal, like I know, like, you know, you can get an Earthquaker devices plumes overdrive, which is like my favorite overdrive for a hundred bucks, which that's awesome. But I get it that that's not the reality of most pedals, you know? Um, But back then it was like, uh, you know, kids with crappy jobs trying to like spend their own money to like save, save money to make a record or go on tour or buy a van, you know, like the idea of spending 250 bucks on, uh, pedal just was crazy to me so but our other guitar player somehow you know what i know how he got his he worked at a local shop music used music shop called music around and he had this funny trick he would do where 
um, you know, he'd be working by himself, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon or something. And a guy would come in with all this gear and Jeff would be like, Hey, look, you know, the store, let's see. So you have this old, uh, 1940s Gibson acoustic or something. And like, I'm going to be real with you. The store can only give you 300 bucks for this, but I'll give you 350 cash right now like under the table deal and you know grandpa joe that doesn't know any better that that gibson is really worth 1300 or whatever takes jeff's silly offer of 350 and then it's off the books and no one ever knows so jeff got all this crazy gear through this funny little scam he had at this music shop of just like <laughs> you know, totally like you know doing this under these under the table deals and that's probably how he got the deal for at the time um, so jeff thanks for listening uh if, <laughs> if you could just you know pack your your suitcase you need to get out of the house because the, the police are coming. yeah you're you're out of here dude <laughs> <laughs> um uh so yeah so he had that deal for and i thought it was cool you know like okay that's neat it does looping and does all the um you know delay sounds and, and at the time you know it's like the first mars volta is record is out and he's doing that analog delay uh oscillating feedback sound which became synonymous with like the mid 2000s which i can't i'm so over that sound now but at the time it was a really big deal and wait and, you're over that sound oh no thank I'm you i'm never yeah. getting over that sound <laughs> uh i just heard it so i had to listen to that those first two freaking mars volta records so many times in the van on our early tours and i'm like i can't ever do this again. <laughs> but jeff had that the dl4 which we have on our first record i'm not using it on the first record jeff did um and then it was so funny because then by 2006 jeff leaves the band and i'm like all right i want more pedals now because it's a sync you know it's a three piece and i only one guitar player so I, I need to like fill up some more sonic room so i did eventually get a dl4 probably found one used i don't think i've ever bought a new dl4 um but i probably found You've a used one so many dl4s i know well it's that pedal's the kind of thing where even though i'm looking at i could see I'm looking at five right now, and I think you paint them as well, don't you? I just, do. Just for yeah. Listeners who don't know, I think, I I think I have five, and two of them are working at the moment. No, three, <laughs> three of them are working. Three out of five work at the moment. Right. Um, but that's the kind of pedal where it's like, if I see one on Craigslist or anywhere for a reasonable deal, I'm like, I just, I just, I'll take it. I'll take another one. Like for instance, if I looked on craigslist right now and i mean this would not happen but let's say there was one for 75 dollars i would just buy it for 75 dollars a broken one i'd buy a broken dl4 for 75 bucks and go get it fixed you know just to have right. them because they're cool to have and and then also you know the, the neat thing about collecting pedals which i this has like been happening to me since i was kind of thrust into this world is like you get doubles and triples of something and then turns out your friend needs one or someone asks you hey what's a really cool looper that i can use and i'm like well actually as a matter of fact i happen to have one so here what's your address let me send this to you you know what i mean like so that's yeah. like a fun thing like you know um having you know multiples of pedals uh but i do want to say that purple pedal the fm4 that was like the elusive pedal for us for a long time. And I did not have one of those, I think, until I was really cranky about spending the money on that pedal. Nope, I'm not spending 200 bucks on that freaking pedal. Like, And I know it's cool. Like at that time, the Locust, it's like, oh, yeah, Locust, they use the purple pedal, like the big line, you know, purple line six pedal. And they get all these cool bug insane synth sounds out of it. But I was just so snotty about like spending that much money on one. So... I really didn't get an FM4, I think, until, geez, I'm trying to think back. I, I eventually 
found a used one, I think for a hundred bucks, which probably that's what the going rate on them is now. But I, I definitely didn't get an FM four. I'm looking at it right now on my shelf. That's my original one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in the late two thousands, I got one and then started messing with it. And then yes, I, there's that kind of square wavy filtery sound that I love. Um, that really kind of deep kind of, uh, yeah, synth synth swell thing. I don't. I right. don't even know. Well, I even it's so funny. It's like my favorite <laughs> sound. I don't even fully know how to describe what it is. Square wave, square wave with some filtering on it. Um, yeah, yeah. That that's one of you know my favorite sounds out of there. And like a lot of my pedal obsession and sounds and doing all that stuff with the guitar comes from uh, you know music made on synth devices or computers yeah. or whatever electronic based music and i also that very much does seem to be the sort of case with you like it, so much of your stuff seems to be influenced by synth but you managed to add a sort of a um uh, i don't know what the word is a a a um a, i can't think of the word a a less than perfectly tonal version like a synth is a very a synthesizer a keyboard is a very exact thing and you managed to add this uh this this messiness to it which, yeah which i guess you can't which, you, you can't do unless you're using a guitar right and like in a rock band format right it's like you're taking mm. those sounds and i'm we're not playing to a click and so usually you know um you're you're absolutely right if you're if you're a dj or something and you you know you're playing a set or whatever or, or an electronic musician you're like a lot of times you're on a computer right that has like you know you're playing to a click and you're doing all this stuff where it's like i really like the idea of taking um all of the sounds you can produce in that context and putting it into a live rock band format where there's no click track you know there's just like yeah that's there's, there's a i'm physically creating those sounds starting with a guitar you know, and that was always really interesting to me. And that's also where having the big pedal board comes from is like, ooh, I like to, it's kind of like I'm live mixing, just like, you know, a square pusher live set might be, you know, where he's like, who knows yeah. what's going on in front of his face with all of his knobs and <laughs> software and, you know, hardware pieces. And it's like, well, if you have like a, you know, thousands of these different things you can do, you know, at your fingertips, I was like, well, it'd be really cool if I had, you know, whatever, 35 pedals in front of me so I could kind of live mix these rock band format songs. And that's kind of what the band evolved to, at least from my my perspective, from playing guitar in the band, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously you said, and, you know, obviously before the current global situation where everyone couldn't play any gigs anymore, obviously I, you were saying before we started off... Um, and you know, during the, you, you know, you're doing a load of sort of random gigs. We've seen a bunch on uh, Instagram as well, like you say, just like an art show or you know, a jazz club or something. Is there anything that you like always take? Um, I mean, guessing you normally take a deal for because you use it for looping. But is there anything at the moment you just like? I always have to take that. Um, you know, <laughs> I I have recently always been taking my uh, what is it? My my Roland GR30 uh, synth guitar. You kind don't of you system. don't have to say that because Matt's here. <laughs> I know. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's so funny is like, so, um, yeah, I got, I bought this thing, this funny GK pickup that and I installed it on a guitar maybe, oh, geez, maybe seven years ago. And I just thought, oh, yeah, cool, funny, like, crappy, like, saxophone sounds or whatever, like, that you associate with, like, 80s synth sax or whatever. And what I, else would you want? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm like, that's exactly what I want is a crappy, like, <laughs> synthetic uh, sax sound. Um, but, yeah, I I, I don't want to say that I, I – I've started to feel like I almost use that as a crutch. I don't actually think think of it that way. I'm just like, ooh, I'm starting to feel really comfortable in live, uh, let's say, improvised settings when it's like, because that's what a lot of these things that I end up playing are like, have been kind of largely improvised. So I'm like, man, this this GR30 kind of synth guitar system is so cool in that context, and I almost started to feel like, oh, these are these are improvised pieces that we're doing here and i'm almost so comfortable using this piece of equipment the music i produce with it starts to feel less improvised which that's not true that's all in my head i guess that's what i'm getting at but um fully that i i bring that and a deal for to almost every one of these like kind of random one-off things that i play that's that's interesting because i mean i think you are and I, I probably mentioned this last time that I had you on a podcast, but that was years ago. I can't remember. But um, uh, you you probably are the the man that made the Rainbow Machine popular as well, and uh, <clears throat> and of course you've even played in bands with Jamie Stillman, uh, the 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 fella behind um, Earthquaker Devices. We have jammed. I think we have jammed before. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, I've heard about the jams. Yeah, that's that. That's not 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 quite played in a band. Sorry, that was probably overstating it. But yes, you certainly have jammed with Jamie Stillman on drums because he's a drummer first. Yeah, yeah. Fantastically interesting, atmospheric 
um, guitarist as well. Yes. Um, I've seen him do some fantastic things with his, you know, with his board of um, of Earthquake Advices pedals. Yeah, that Rainbow Machine. I'm I I'm looking at two of them, two very used, well loved Rainbow Machines on my shelf right now. Great pedal, lots of cool things to get out of it. It's, I mean, my kind of rap about that pedal. Anytime it gets brought up, and I don't, this isn't like a canned response. It's just, it's true that like anytime you use it for a chorus effect, I is use that. What you're gonna say? I, well, I use it for a chorus effect. Yes, that's part of the response. But the second half is like, you know, and beyond that, that's a that's a really fun pedal to discover new sounds with. And for instance, having that kind of just smack dab in the middle of your pedal board and being able to like experiment with you know different sound like you know comp different pedal combinations with that pedal and you know just by barely tweaking knobs on that thing you get new sounds you get a slapback delay you get an out of tune slapback delay you get you know like all this weird pitch shifting stuff and then and then that's before you're even using the quote-unquote magic button you know so that's yeah. that's truly like one of the most versatile like pedals i can think of in recent years that's not like a full-on like synth multi-effect kind of thing you know yeah absolutely well um i guess you know with all that sort of pedals and and everything and talking about gigs i kind of want to talk a little bit about um disheveled cuss which mm. is obviously your sort of new project which is um i think when you sort of first announced it, you you said like this is what people are calling like your normal band or like right, right, right. um that's what it, i was called i was calling it that <laughs> and my friends were like stop calling it that <laughs> <laughs> because it is it is a, it is very different from obviously the stuff you've done before i mean how did you kind of approach that from like a guitar point of view because i guess you didn't want to do i guess you had a bunch of songs that maybe weren't mad enough for terra Mellos. was that it or yeah okay so here's my my spiel on this i think we designed terra Mellos to be whatever we wanted it to be even the name itself i even think about this and maybe this was like a bad decision but like even the name itself is just like you know doesn't like make sense to just say it people say it wrong all the time like people don't know what it means like sometimes i forget what it means you know it's like not they're not normal words so like even from day one we were like let's make this band just kind of a weird band where we just do whatever we want to do and in the early days you know it was us playing this kind of like proggy spazzy music and we were like you know cartwheeling jumping off shit breaking things and it was this wacky band you know and then it kind of evolved to like oh now that's the band that like you know has this crazy kind of jazzy drummer that's super into zach hill and then they have all these like pedals at the same time so they're doing this weird proggy like pedal freak out songs you know and so the, the band constantly evolved but one element that it always had is like kind of this freak show element to where it's like, okay, if we're playing to a room full of people, whether or not anyone likes the band, has ever heard the band, dislikes the band, whatever, one thing that it always had was like this freak show thing. Like, what are these guys doing? This is so weird. Like, I don't know if I like this or not, but like, all right, they're doing something, you know, which I always thought was like a really cool um, piece of that band. And recently, yeah, I like, I listen to other music. In fact, I don't even really listen to that kind of music all that much. You know, I really like the Beach Boys and Sonic Youth and, you know, Teenage Fan Club and, you know, and electronic music and stuff and whatever 
whatever art Terramelos is, that's not like, I, I love playing that music. And I did love listening to that kind of music when I was a kid, but you know, like you evolve and you, you know, get into other things. So I have, I've always had this other piece of my musical personality that I did not feel was, had been properly represented for 15 years, you know? And I tried, like, I, I, I would sneak in, right? Like quote unquote, normal things into Terramelo songs and, and melody and choruses and stuff. And we were always able to, I think, kind of like morph these really simple ideas into things that worked in the context of that band. Um, but then, you know, at, at some point I was like, okay, I would really like to dedicate a proper project band to this sound, these songs that I have in my head, some of which go back to 2006. I have guitar riffs in this this band, Disheveled Cuss, that go go back that far. So when, you know, think back to, if you're familiar, the Terramellos era, Drugs to the Dear Youth, you know, like I have, I'm playing normal guitar at home, sitting on my bed, strumming an acoustic guitar, you know, doing some quote unquote normal things during that era. And so... <laughs> Fast forward, you know, 15 years and I'm like, all right, let me do this. Um, and so I decided to finish this record that I'd kind of been piecing together and I called it Disheveled Cuss. And I guess the way that I've kind of described it is like, there is no freak show quality to this band. It's songs, <laughs> you know, it's it's like, all right, here are some songs I wrote. Hope you like them. There's, no, there's nothing to lean on. There's no like crazy drums. There's no insane wild guitar. It's just me playing songs. And of course, I can't help but filter normal songs through my version of what a normal song would be, you know? So that's why my friend was probably joking with me. Like, you got to stop calling them normal songs because they're not <laughs> fully normal. They're still me doing, it's my version of what a normal song would be, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's funny and not to, I'm not trying to plug my guitar lessons, uh, but to, to reference that them, again, plug them. <laughs> well, to reference these guitar lessons, I don't even know if I want to plug them. I honestly, I don't love giving guitar lessons. <laughs> I'm just doing them at the moment. I, I, I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. I don't, I don't mean it that way. I just, you know, it's um, instilling the now. If people come to me wanting my knowledge and what my approach to guitar is, that is amazing. I could have never imagined that in a million years that someone would want my advice on being in a band, playing guitar, amps, guitars, pedals, you know, that's really cool. And I do enjoy doing it, but I'm like, Ooh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's tricky to, I mean, no one, no one really plays, plays guitar like you, you, you have, you, you are one of the very few people who has managed to carve out for themselves a very unique style in, in this sort of modern age of playing guitar. So it's, uh, so I mean, it's, it's no wonder that there are people who want to learn, but yes, it's, that's uh, very sweet of you. Thank I, you. No, 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 but, but what, what, what a weird thing to have to teach because so much of your stuff feels like it, it comes from yeah, it comes uh, from that comes from within. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I think you put up like an Instagram video the other day of a riff that you you said you'd had for ages and never fit it into a record or something. And I was just watching it going, I just, I, I just wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm an average guitar player at best and I'm never someone to like learn from just watching, but I was like, yeah, I could probably like figure out this Weezer song because, you know, there's some good chords in it. You know, forget the solo. I'm never going to learn that by ear. But it's like watching that. I'm like, that's just no way. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> the thing that I I've realized that I kind of come back to a lot in in chatting with people and doing these guitar lesson things is like 
trying to show them how to break outside of the box they're with they're playing within and you know like i've got a like maybe a person or two who's like well check this thing out that i wrote and it's like a lot of seventh chords and they're all perfectly matching you know very melodic perfect sounding like riffs that include all these like luscious chords of seventh sounding things like that's a thing I, I think a lot of people gravitate young people gravitate towards major seventh chords which that's what i was doing in when i was 22 i was like oh yeah i discover how to play these kind of like whoa i go from punk music to playing like these kind of quote-unquote jazzy sounding chords and then and then you sort of like build yourself into this box which that's what i felt i did with like our first two recordings i'm like whoa yeah i felt very comfortable in that world and so kind of what i what i end up always going back to with these lessons is like now nah, that's too good sounding make that sound let's figure out a way to like make that not sound right you know what i mean that is that is, that is perfectly put yeah, yeah absolutely and that then is... and then it and then we're like well that doesn't sound right but how do we make that not right thing sound good you know and then like so it's it's all about breaking people out of their box you know that that's the way i found i can um talk and teach people about what my approach is and it's funny to bring this back to the disheveled cuss thing i i tell everyone look Terramelos was never meant to fit inside a box and maybe that was like why the band has never like you know gotten what's bigger or whatever it's always been like our own little thing and like those who know know about the band and that's awesome and i think maybe a few years ago we kind of acknowledged that like cool that's where where that's what the life and the career arc of this band will be it'll be like if you're in the know cool and it'll reach a little bit beyond that but not a lot now with disheveled cuss <laughs> I wanted to put it in a box. That's the thing with this. I was like, man, I've been like working outside the box for 15 years. I would like to live a little bit inside the box and see what that feels like <laughs> for a while. And honestly, that's one of the most challenging things I've done. And one of it's, it's really like um, refreshing and satisfying to be like, ah, oh, man, I don't got to worry. Okay. Going back to the Joe Branton thing. I'm not worrying about pedal stuff. I'm not like, I'm really just like, like up here playing these songs having a good time and like enjoying playing rock music you know and so to for me to perform songs like that to have written them and recorded them in a way that is i thought sounded good that was like a big challenge to me and that's what's been like really fun and exciting for me honestly is doing that now that's not to say that i get the same feeling playing those types of songs as i do something like either playing a Terramello set or playing an improv set with greg sonier from Deerhoof or something or zach hill or whatever like all these different iterations of things provide different things for me to get out of playing music you know and being inside a box is definitely not the same thing as any of those other things but it's a new it's something new for me and that was important to me you know of of, of course and we we haven't even mentioned like big warners yonder or uh or in indeed um you, you know every everything else that you've done outside of that so so uh there's a lot uh, i know there's it's getting getting up there a lot of things yeah, because well, like at the same time, yeah. grips, I think, is a, yeah. is, is a big thing as well. I, I, I appreciate you only came on for, you, you just did the, the one record with Death Grips, but. Um, I've, I have, right? um, God, let me, wrong. let me, well, let me think here. I think technically 
my guitar sounds have appeared on three death grips records but that's kind of a stretch because it's really two and then i think i have like one thing on it an ep they did so we'll say two and a half Right. But I don't. I'm not going to hold that against you because I. It's hard for me to even keep up with like all this stuff, you know. <laughs> and um, I guess the other one that sort of came out the same time as maybe a little bit of Chevrolet Cusp was um, Acid Fab, right? Which is your sort of electronica collection of electronica projects yeah. that have sort of been. Yeah. Well. You know, building um, up a cup. Our the Terramellis bass player Nathan. He lives in Switzerland. And he's got a whole world going on out there. And so when after that House of Vans UK show, I can't remember, man, my memory is not great when it comes to dates and stuff. But right around that time, we did a Japanese tour. I can't remember if it was before or after that, but it was right around that time. Uh, so that was, I was that three years ago? Was yeah, that- I think it was after because you went to the... Oh, good did, Lord. That, was that three years it ago? It was 2017 because yes. I, I went to... I hate myself. Because I went to Japan not long after that, and I think you went there right as well. I think you went to the. Did you go to the museum yes, as well? That's right. Yeah. We and we went into the isolation chamber at Roland, and we did that whole thing. You weren't there at the time, right? You had just no. Left. I wasn't. I think I just left. Yeah, I think it was December. It was like Christmas time, twenty seventeen. Yes. I think. Okay. Wasn't it? So that was the last we. That was like the last time that Terramelis was like active, like properly active, and then, and then fast forward, we did a little bit. We toured in. 2019 or was that 2018 oh my god i think god. it was 2018 that was where no, 2018 no, you, you did tour terra menos tour 2019 with the Definitely. minus the bear tour the final minus the bear tour whenever that was that was a year and a half ago that was two two novembers ago and that was we had a fill-in bass player our friend patrick the guy <laughs> the digitech synthwa and xp 300 guy he played bass with <laughs> us on that tour um and what i'm getting at is uh, because Nathan was just kind of had his hands full in Switzerland and we do this tour and we have someone fill in. And it's like, ah, eh, man, we don't want to do this band without like one of the original members. So, okay, this band's yeah. going to be a little slow for a while. And okay, well, like, let me, I got to get other things going because, you know, I, I, I need to be active playing music and writing and creating. So I did, I finished the disheveled cuss record and simultaneously I was like, ah, oh, you know, what would be really cool is to like, really try and complete some of these like electronic based like properly electronic based um songs that i had been doing and i got (laughs) i got offered to open a melt banana tour which would be happening uh in one month from now which i do not believe is happening anymore uh clearly (laughs) really Uh, why not yeah (laughs) so i was i was supposed to go i got offered to open for melt banana solo and i'm like ooh, okay i wonder what i'm gonna do i could do it as an improvised thing that would be easy but then i thought well this would be a really good opportunity to shore up all these electronic bits and pieces that i have so that through that i created this new project acid fab which i would say is like fully just like committed to the electronic portion of things um that i do and i put out an ep that's well it's like it's an 11 minute 12 minute song or something that's sort of like a preview of what a completed record might uh resemble and i made a music video for that too Uh, amazing amazing trying to stay busy Um, man it's weird yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean we are all obviously locked at home it, it makes sense to stay busy mm-hmm. now this is really late in the podcast to ask this but 
I, I, it would be wonderful to move out of pedals and into guitars because sure. guitars are also an incredibly interesting thing for you. Um, you've been a massive advocate of the Squire Vista series. Um, this has actually been something that that even fans have helped you out with in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the uh, what is the what is the name of the model again? The Squire... Supersonic. The Squire Supersonic. Supersonic. Which is the Vista series, uh, which is Korean? CIJ, is crafted in Japan. Oh, it is Jap- it's Japanese. Damn. Well, I didn't even realize that. Well, the base out of the Vista series, uh, that is not Japanese. That may have been... No, that's why I think, because I own one of those, which is the Music Master. Yes, um, yes. And that is Chinese. Yes, that's um, a chi- that was the Chinese um, instrument out of the bunch. But I believe, I don't actually own, well, I have, uh, what's it called? The Venus, the Courtney Love Venus. Well, that that's, was another thing I was going to talk about. You, of course, own the Venus, which yep. is in, incredible. That's a Japanese guitar. And then I have four, I have all the different colors of the Supersonics, and those are all crafted oh, in Japan. You have all the different colors. Yeah, now. yeah. Well, it's, how how recently did you get all the different colors? Because I, I got the, the, the White Whale happened to be the white supersonic uh that that seemed to be the rarest one for me to come by um right could could never find one of those and a dude in canada had found me somehow and and knew that i was looking for one off of a forum or something and this was like he's the only other person i've ever known that was like a a supersonic psycho this guy had so, like I mean, 11 supersonics and he wanted to help me finish my collection <laughs> so he sold for, it to for- me. For listeners, can you explain what the supersonic is? And also, I guess your first one was the blue one. Yeah, Would so it be the blue one. Okay, yeah. so I'll I'll make this short. Um, I guess maybe I don't know how many years ago this was. Maybe seven years ago, uh, I was playing a PV. My main guitar was this PV kind of custom thing that PV gave me and had I kind of helped build and pretty cool, like kind of a telly, an offset telly sort of thing. This weird weird thing i don't even know that it the body shape be, went into production but it's playing a pv it was playing a telecaster had played gibsons before that and those were kind of my main guitars and i was at a used music shop in sacramento called skips music and just kind of browsing around popped in there uh maybe i was like i don't know i drove by and i'm like oh we'll we'll go into skips just see what they have and i saw this blue sparkly fender well, it was a squire and it it's it was an offset guitar and uh it was designed to look like an upside down uh jaguar did i say that correct did i use the correct <laughs> oh that was great that was great that was great no say say american well so my friend alan alan welsh at the w you, at the w yeah well okay hold on alan welsh from the band tangled hair he gave me a really hard time about saying jaguar and he roasted me for it, like, oh, mate, you say Jaguar. And oh, like, my goodness. And so I was like, I know, I know, I got to stop saying that. And, and so I've tried to take on 
the 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 proper British way of saying Jaguar. Jaguar, right? Is that how you would say it? <laughs> That's it. That's... Jaguar. Yeah. Jaguar. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so the supersonic was kind of allegedly modeled after seeing a picture of Hendrix playing a Jaguar upside down. And so in the mid to late nineties, one of the builders at Fender Squire was like, Oh, we should do that. Uh, and that's what that guitar was. And it wasn't a very popular guitar at the time. And, you know, it kind of got probably discontinued after a year or two. And then, yeah, it was a year. It was a year. Yeah, it ran I for think maybe just one year. 96 to 97, I think. Maybe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I think that is right. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw this guitar at this used music shop. I think it was $700, which that's kind of a lot of money for me for a guitar. $700 or $800. And I was like, what what is this weird looking dumb like squire the sparkly blue just dumb squire this thing's so dumb i got home i remember like i think i had taken a picture of it and like texted it to my girlfriend like can you believe this stupid guitar they have at skips i got home i was just like talking about it and i was like so pissed off about this guitar like i just don't get it why would it be reversed <laughs> like that like who would want that and then after like a day or so i realized that like my disdain for that guitar was like kind of turning into an obsession and i couldn't stop thinking about it so i was like i gotta get back over there i gotta like resolve this and so i went back to skips a couple days later and realized like wait a second i don't I hate this guitar i love this guitar this is like <laughs> everything i want in a guitar that is unbelievable that's an unbelievable opening story to the fact that that guitar is is almost the thing that's kind of defined nick Ryan yeah, as a player he, uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> like and it i just i i bought it i i think i Let's see. I definitely did not have seven or eight hundred dollars at the time, so I think I maybe had to sell a couple of things, or maybe I put it on a layaway or something. But yeah, I ended up with that guitar. It was my main guitar for a really long time, and then slowly I started um, acquiring. I think I got the Silver Sparkle next, which it's aged, so it almost looks a little more gold sparkle. Uh, and then I was working a bass player magazine event. I don't know, maybe five years ago and someone brought a black uh supersonic to that event like seeing if i wanted to buy it off them and it was I, it's I, a, i've only seen you use that one recently that's been a very recent acquisition yeah th so and and that the black one is the one that i installed the gk pickup on and that's been like the black one has honestly been my main guitar the most beat up crappy supersonic that i have is my main guitar for <laughs> for probably four or five years now um that one i got for cheap maybe that was like 300 or 400 bucks and then like i said this um fella in canada wanted me wanted to help me complete my collection so he sold me his olympic white uh supersonic and now i have four of them and it's silly like wow. they're all the exact same guitar why do i have so many I did don't you know. not lose the original at some point i did not lose the original i've definitely never misplaced or like destroyed any of these guitars they all remain uh fully functional um in fact i just had a couple i all of them need needed work and i've just recently been able to like have someone go through them and start getting them in tip-top shape but yeah it's a great guitar i mean and and also to anyone listening they fender did reissue this guitar years later i can't remember what year it was maybe 2010 the pawn shop series i, I can't remember what year that was when fender reissued these um 
under the Fender name and they made them in Mexico and couldn't get into them. They, the neck shape wasn't the same, did not feel. And I was so excited when they came out with those like, yes, my favorite guitar. And there's going to be new ones of it and different colors. And this is so great. And they weren't as good. And I did not end up getting any of those. Have you got a subsonic as well? A subsonic. A subsonic. That's the strap. That's the baritone. baritone. It's the baritone version of the supersonic, I think. Is it? No, no. The subsonic subsonic is a Stratocaster. It was only available in graffiti yellow, and it was a baritone tuning, but unfortunately only 27-inch, which just for me is not baritone enough. But, um, I but, yeah. thought there was a different one. Maybe I'm mistaken. I, I mean, as, as, a, as a fella uh, who who is constantly after base sixes, uh, <laughs> I do remember the subsonic very well. And it was 27 inches, which is uh, not enough to get it down into <laughs> into drop but you, E standard. But Nick, um, you've you've also got some sort of weird like prototype, right? Did I see that? A while ago, were you talking about that? I think I know what you're talking about. And last year, um, so two NAMs ago, Fender, they is it the alternate reality series? Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. They released um, the Power Caster. Yes, you are playing a Power Caster at the moment. You've had a few things uh, through Fender recently because you've been playing the. um their jaguar um their was it their player jaguar the american so so okay so the somehow this is one of the biggest like um marks in my timeline of being a guitar player but somehow i got to know people at fender which is one of the craziest things and like i'm not just saying this because you're on the line matt but like boss and fender (laughs) the fact that i still think about this i still go to bed like just like shaking my head in disbelief like i know people at boss and fender like my two favorite companies since i was a kid like that is just insane to me still to think about to this day um and i don't maybe uh let's see four years ago i think Somehow I got hooked up with Fender through my friend O. Uh, eventually, O was able to get me to someone, get my name to the right person at Fender. And um, Fender has been really cool to me. I got some guitars. I got to do some videos. I got some amps. And it was during their launch of the American Professional series. So my Jaguar right. is an American Professional as well as my uh, main jazz master at the moment. And then I eventually did get... Uh, this power caster and that's the prototype and what makes it the prototype is that on the headstock it does not say power caster it says fastback because that's what the guitar was originally called and i think they made oh my god that's so cool i think they made like i don't i really i wish i need to send an email and have someone find out exactly how many of these exist i want to say there was like five but fastback is such a bad name. Well, that was um, copyrighted because there was a, some car called the Fastback, so they had to change the name at the last minute. So they changed it to Powercaster. And when I when they showed me the guitar at the office, I was like, Oh my god! Please, if it's if there's any way if I could get one that says Fastback, I would love that. And they were able to get me a Fastback uh, guitar. Amazing, which is that amazing. is pretty, incredible. Pretty cool. That is incredible. What finish was that? Because the um, the Jaguar you've got, you've got in the green. Yeah, right? that that one's in green. Uh, man, oh wow, I'm gonna get like roasted for not knowing this. Um, 
Fender <laughs> is seafoam green. Is that correct? That's correct. Or is yeah. it surf? Is it surf green? No, no. They do both colors. They do both. both. Colors and are, then are a Fender. Okay. I wonder if this is. I believe this is proper seafoam. I get all right. the different like variations of seafoam, surf, aqua. Like I get those confused, especially from like different companies. But I believe that's a seafoam green with a roasted maple neck, which is really really cool. Oh wow, it's got roasted maple neck as well, which I had never board board as well. Yes, or just neck? yes, neck and board, and uh, of obviously it's a beautiful looking finish for um for for what it is, but it also plays awesome. And, and I was completely unfamiliar with roasted maple until I had even seen this guitar. I was like, "What is that? Wait, that is so what? cool." You 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 were unfamiliar with roasted maple. I had no idea. That, that is. <laughs> That has become easily the most popular thing in the guitar world in the last couple of years. Yeah, honestly, we can't we can't talk about guitars on the Guitar Nerds <laughs> podcast without mentioning roasted maple anymore. It, it seems to be everyone's standard thing. I mean, I don't care about it, but then I I don't care about any guitars made any later than nineteen seventy. There you but, go. <laughs> but, it's a, but Matt, you love a roasted maple. I guitar. just, I mean, it's funny. I just. Uh, you know, I've sorted out my sort of mini studio space and 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 recently, and just playing guitar and just like I I, I think Joe, uh, were we talked a bit a little bit about it on one of our podcast episodes before, where it's just like amps and pedals. You know, I've had loads, always change, but guitar just I just have to if I play one and I just like the spec, then that's and 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 that's always been the way. Even when I worked in guitar shops, like if you play it and you like it. Just, just go with it. I think it's so easy to try and like pick the perfect guitar on paper, and then uh, you play it, and then you're like, "Oh, this is terrible." Where actually, half the time, if you just pick up a guitar and play it, it's just like, you know, that, and I guess that's what you were saying, Nick, about the kind of reissues is is yes, you know, on paper you could go, "This is exactly what I want," and then you pick it up, and you're like, it just totally falls flat. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that I've noticed is. Um, like I just I haven't done a whole lot of like modifying guitars or even just like customizing guitars over the years I mean just beyond well, I guess that's not true I don't know I'm thinking back like to the early 2000s I guess I would like tweak guitars and do this and that to them but um, I guess like for instance when I got this American professional uh, when I got the American professional Strat and Jag or sorry Jazzmaster and Jag a lot of people got those guitars at the exact same time. Like you could throw a rock out your window and hit someone that owned the <laughs> green Jag, right? And so obviously with all my gear and like kind of aesthetically, I like it to be a little different and, you know, just like cool and a little outside of the norm. And so it was, it felt like a little awkward to me. Like, oh, everyone's got this jazz master right now. Dang it. So and I, I liked it. It was an at-home guitar. I did some recording with it, and it was cool. And it wasn't until I was like, all right, I'm going to drop some money into this guitar, and I want to make this – I want to see if I can make this a really cool guitar because on paper this should be great, and it is great, but it's just really not me. you know. And I switched the pickups out. I put a mastery on there. I did the nerdy thing, and I switched the pit guard out for a tortoiseshell pit guard and rearranged some of the like wiring. And I tell you, that turned that guitar from just being like a cool at-home guitar to right now like my main guitar. 
just through a few simple like not even i don't even want to call those modifications just like little upgrades you know and fully like just became this like really special feeling guitar to me you know just by doing a couple simple things yeah yeah and the uh, i mean things like mastery bridges just you know definitely definitely make a difference but i'm i'm i mean I, i've definitely swapped pickups out and things like that but i've also fallen down the rabbit hole of just like changing everything and then you're just like this isn't even where i started <laughs> and then you're just like it's not even the same i might as well have just bought another guitar at, at this point well that's funny um, so you know the jay mascus squire jazz master Yes. So everyone's whole thing with that is like, well, you get that guitar and it's such a great guitar. All you have to do is uh, throw on a mastery and then you throw in this pickup and then it's amazing. And it's like, okay, great. You turned a three or $400 guitar into like a thousand dollar guitar. Why not? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? You know what I mean? So yeah, that is a kind of a funny thing. It's, there's a fine line between, you know, yeah. Like making this guitar better versus like, why don't I just buy a better guitar? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um well, uh, uh, my goodness. We have uh, we have absolutely run up at time on the on this podcast and I reckon we're about 50% into uh, <laughs> We didn't even go into amps. I mean, you know, there's I think there's a, probably a whole discussion just on uh I mean, yeah, who doesn't want to talk about the time that Nick Reinhardt put a, a you know um, a marshall amp into a pv amp you know, <laughs> a, <laughs> there, there are so many ridiculous stories there <laughs> to go into yeah. which means we are almost definitely going to have to do a second podcast with nick reinhardt so um we're going to finish up right now but um nick we we would love you to come back and 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 do a and, and do a second podcast with uh with me and matt because I feel like we've barely touched the surface. We haven't talked about, we haven't talked about all this stuff with um, with the Fender Mustang GT. We haven't talked about your weird amp. Like I think amplifiers for you are a whole separate subject. Yeah, we could do. I mean, let's do this. Let's let's get another podcast going. We'll talk some shoe nerds at the top of it, <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll figure out a way to transition into amps. We could do an, an entire hour on amplifiers. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for the man that put a, a Marshall head into a 6505, I think that is absolutely a, <laughs> an entire podcast right there, listener. But but you're going to have to wait for that um, because <laughs> that is about all the, the time we have on uh, on this Friday special. Um, you know, thank you, Nick, for taking the time to talk to us on on this podcast. Oh, it was my pleasure. I thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to be a part of the Guitar Nerd family. <laughs> Absolutely, and you are. Um, and uh, listener, you can of course catch more guitar nerds over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, or you can join us on any social channels with at guitar nerds. And we'll be back next week with uh, with you know on Wednesday with our regular episode, and on Friday with another Friday special. But we promise that we'll be back with another Nick Reinhardt special yes. very soon. Uh, thank you very much, and um, and you know, um, we'll see you later for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. See ya.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.